as they felt it. I'm talking about when you decide how to live your 20s and you get through your 20s and you decide to live under your 30s and you live your 30s and then you look back and you say, boy, I wish I wish I would have. But you can't undo it. Those days are behind you. Here's my question. When you and I are going through life and we say there's no clean way out of this. I've made a decision that I can't unmake. There are consequences that I'm going to live with now. What's God like when we come to him with stuff we can't undo? So the people of Israel have decided to ask for a king. They've decided they don't like how God is being king. And this is a decision that they can't unmake. Because now they have a king. God has decided to say yes. And he's decided to give them a king. So now they have a king. And you can't unking a king. There's, there's no clean way out. Of having a king. So my question is. What's God like? When you've made a decision. That you can't unmake. And there's consequences. That you are just going to have to live with now. Here we are in 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 1. And I, listen, listen, this sounds really, really somber, and it is really somber. It needs to be somber because we're facing some really hard things. But I want you to know, this is straight up gospel. I have really good news for you about God from this, from this passage. Okay? So we're going to face it in hope. Here we are, 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 1. And Samuel said to all Israel, Behold, I have obeyed your voice in all that you have said to me and have made a king over you. This is what I'm talking about. They asked for a king, they want a king, they got a king, now they can't unmake this king. He is there. And behold, and now behold, the king walks before you, and I am old and gray. And behold, my sons are with you. And I have walked before you from my youth until this day, which was literally true. Old boy was raised where people come to worship. They saw him from the time he was a youth until he's old and gray. They, they saw every inch of his life. Here I am. Testify against me before the Lord and his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Or whose donkey have I taken? Or whom have I defrauded? Or whom have I oppressed? Or from whose hand have I taken a bribe to blind my eyes with it? Testify against me, and I'll restore it to you. Hey, did you hear the word taken there a couple times? You did. And where have you heard that word taken before, if you've been with us in 1 Samuel for a while? You remember? It's where they're, that's right. It's where they're talking about a king. And if you want a king, here's what you're going to get. You're going to get someone that will take, and will take, and will take, and will take. And he's saying, I didn't do that. Did I? And they'll say no. And they said, you have not defrauded us or oppressed us or taken anything from any man's hand. And he said to them, the Lord is witness against you. And his anointed is witness to this day that you have not found anything in my hand. And they said, he is witness. You're right. You're right. You didn't take anything from us. Samuel has now established his credibility. And now he's going to talk to them about their relationship with God as they've made decisions that can't be unmade. And now they're going to live with consequences that they're going to have to live with. 
And Samuel said to the people, The Lord is witness who appointed Moses and Aaron and brought your fathers up out of the land of Egypt. Okay, so you've seen that map many times because this was their salvation experience. When they thought of salvation, when they thought of deliverance, this was their origin story that God had called them down into Egypt, protected them in Egypt, grew them in Egypt, and then brought them out of Egypt. This is their salvation story. Now, therefore, stand still that I may plead with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous deeds of the Lord that he performed for you and for your fathers. In other words, listen, listen, you guys have rejected God in asking for a king, but God has been faithful. So hear God's faithfulness and how God has gone through this with you. When Jacob went into Egypt and the Egyptians oppressed them. Okay, so you're going to see up there a grid that describes God's relationship with his people and the people's relationship with God. And one of the words you're going to see up there is the word discipline. Now I have a feeling that many of us, when we hear the word discipline, we only have in our mind negative connotations like like getting yelled at or getting spanked or getting grounded or whatever However, our parents disciplined us. That's what we think of when we think of discipline. I'm saying that is not the only form of discipline. There is discipline that is training. There is discipline that is positive and formulative. So when Israel was in Egypt, they weren't being punished. God wasn't getting revenge on them. It wasn't like they had done something wrong. They had gone down there because there was a famine. And they were there so God could grow them. So a way to think about discipline is not only correction. A way to think about discipline in addition to that is also like training, okay? So I have here, this goes on our fridge. And uh, so this is Asher. This is what Asher has to do before he gets screen time. So before Asher gets screen time, Asher has to do uh, four by three pull-ups, four by ten push-ups, three by twenty-five air squats, three by twenty-five sit-ups. Do his piano exercises. Write out John three seventeen perfectly. Juggle the soccer ball four, four by five times and do ten by ten ups with the pickleball racket. Is that because I'm mad at Asher? Is this because Asher has done anything wrong? Absolutely not. This is discipline in the positive sense. This is me training Asher. This is me saying, Asher, there needs to be more in your life than screens. This is me saying to Asher, I'm going to help you be a better person. And to help you be a better person, I'm going to apply some pressure to your life. Not in response to something bad you've done, but just so that you don't become a puddle sitting on a screen. Okay, so... The people are being disciplined in Egypt, but this is so that they're being formed. God is forming them as a people. And so they cry out. Then your forefathers cried out to the Lord, and the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, who brought, out, who brought your forefathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place. Okay, do you see the pattern? Um, there's discipline, there's crying out, and then there's deliverance who brought your fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place. But then they get comfortable and they forget, and so they fall into sin. But they forgot the Lord their God, 
And he sold them into the hand of Sisera, commander of the army of Hazor. Do you see? Now they're in there being disciplined. Now this is corrective. This is, okay, we're going we're gonna to fix that by applying pressure. And he sold them into the hand of Sisera, commander of the army of Hazor, and into the hand of the Philistines, and into the hand of the king of Moab. And they fought against them, and they cried out to the Lord. Do you see the pattern? And they cried out to the Lord and said, We have sinned. We have forsaken the Lord. So if you write in your Bibles, um, just trust me on this, next to forsaken there, write 1222. You'll see why in just a second. We'll read 1222 in in a second here. We have forsaken the Lord, and we have served the Baals and the Asherahs. Now deliver us out of the hand of our enemies. They're crying out to the Lord, asking for deliverance, that we may serve you. This time we're going to break the pattern. This time we're going to do it different. We're not going to fall into sin. We're going to serve you. And the Lord sent Jeroboam and Barak and Jephthah and Samuel and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side, and you lived in safety. Okay, let's just pause for a second and remember what we're talking about. The people have asked for a king. They have rejected God. They have made a decision that they can't unmake. They have consequences that they're living with now that they can't undo. This, they find themselves like with a king that hopefully it goes well, but they have a king now. You can't unking this king. And so what Samuel is doing is reminding them how God has been faithful to them generation after generation throughout their history. So, and it's this cycle, how God has been faithful to stay in this cycle with them generation after generation. When you saw that Nahash, what was his, what did his name mean? Anybody remember from that? Snake, a bunch of you said it. And when you saw Nahash, the king of the Ammonites, uh, came against you, you said to me, no, but a king shall reign over us when the Lord was your God. So this is, this is them rejecting um, God as king. Now, you might remember from last week, they, they asked for a king long before the episode we saw last week. Well, right. Well, Nahash was probably in the land being a marauder long before the episode we saw last week. And that was probably one of the contributing factors to them asking for a king back in chapter 8. But the bottom line is, we're in a royal mess in 1 Samuel, because they have rejected God as king. They have consequences now that are not changeable because they rejected God as king. And now behold, the king whom you have chosen. Who made this choice? Yep. Yep, they did. And now behold, the king whom you have chosen, for whom you have asked... Behold, the the Lord has set a king over you. The Lord has said, your will be done. You get what you want. And if you fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, and if both you and the king who reigns over you will follow the Lord your God, it will be well. So he's saying, you've made a choice that you can't unmake. You have consequences in your life that you can't, I mean, you just have these consequences now. There's no getting around it. These consequences will be with you now. But he's saying, it will go well with you if you serve the Lord from here. So you can't go and undo the things you've done. But what you can do is serve the Lord where you are. 
So we talked about different situations. Like you find yourself in a marriage that you're like, I don't know about this. You find yourself with a, with a, with a record, and you're like, I don't know about this. You find yourself having said things that you wish you could take back. You find yourself, you know, you wake up in your 40s, your 50s, and you wish you could undo your 20s and your 30s. And Serve the Lord where you are. Serve the Lord where you are. Break the cycle and serve the Lord where you are. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord, so if you go back to the same old cycle, if you will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, and then the hand of the Lord will be against you and your king. Guess what? Having a change in government doesn't make God more lenient. Now, therefore, stand still and see the great thing that the Lord will do before your eyes. Is it not the wheat harvest today? I will call upon the Lord that he may send thunder and rain. And you shall know and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord in asking for yourselves a king. So Samuel called upon the Lord and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. Wheat harvest, not good. I mean, I'm not a farmer, but when you want your wheat to dry out so you can bring it in, rain is not your best friend. And the Lord sent rain, thunder and rain that day, and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. Like, the, the message behind this miracle is, there are desperate, terrifying consequences to rejecting God. Please, please learn the lesson that there are desperate, terrifying consequences for disobeying God. And God will apply pressure until he gets your attention. And so he brings the thunder and the rain. It's like, do I have your attention now? And the people are terrified. And the people said to Samuel, pray for your servants to the Lord your God, that we may not die. For we have added to all our sins this evil to ask for ourselves a king. So they're back and they're in the cycle crying out to God right now. And Samuel said to the people, do not be afraid for you have done all this evil. Like hopefully you learned something from this. God has disciplined you in this miracle. Hopefully you learned your lesson. Yet follow the Lord where you are. I, I hope this is coming clear. Like what should we do? We should serve the Lord where we are. Yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And do not turn aside after empty things that cannot profit or deliver, for they are empty. They're how you got in this mess. Don't go back and serve them some more. They didn't serve you well in the beginning. They will not serve you well in the future. Leave those things alone and follow the Lord. For the Lord will not forsake his people. This is... Just want, I just want the silence to be long enough and awkward enough that I get all of your attention. Do you see? They have forsaken the Lord. And the Lord says, you made a choice that you can't undo. You've got a king now. You've forsaken me, and you got consequences, 
that you're not going to like in the future. But what does the Lord say? You've forsaken me, but I will not forsake you. You'll have whatever consequences you have, but I will not forsake you. So I'll stay in this cycle with you. And I'll apply pressure until I get your attention. But I will get your attention because I've chosen you as my people. I will not forsake you. Why does the Lord say this? I will not forsake you. Why does the Lord say this? Because he says, he has tied his reputation to us. He says, I've said to everyone, you're my people, so I'm going to keep you as my people. This is what he says, for his great name's sake. I mean, the Lord picked us. He gave us his name. You were baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Like, you're baptized. You got saved. You're part of the body of Christ. He gave you his name. Back then it was, you're a child of Abraham. You're part of Israel. You are part of God's people. He tied his reputation to you. So he will not forsake you. Now watch this. They made a decision, a decision that gives them consequences that they can't undo. And he says, because it has pleased the Lord, those you've, you've forsaken him. Though you've forsaken him. Because it has pleased the Lord. Hey, would you just stand up with me? Just stand up. Because I think some of you think God is annoyed with you most of the time. Because I think some of you think that God is frustrated with you and God is just at the end of his rope with you. I want you to hear those three words in yellow. I'll read because it has, and then I want you to read the three words in yellow. And I want you to think of that as applying to you. Okay? Because you'll see what comes next in just a minute. But I want you to hear yourself say the three words in yellow. Okay? So, because it has Okay, now what has pleased the Lord? You've got to read the two words in yellow now. Ready? To make you a people for himself. It has pleased the Lord. The Lord takes joy in making you, you, making you a people for himself. You can be seated. They've made this decision to reject God because they don't think he's doing a very good job as king. And uh, God says, I've picked you. I'm not going to forsake you. I tied myself to you. I'm going to make you a people for myself. This is true of you and me. Think of passages like Romans 8, 29 and 30, where it says, after the verse you all know about how God works all things together for the good of those who love him, it says, those he foreknew, 
he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. That is God active language, friends. The choice God make. There's also simpler. First John chapter four, verse nineteen, which says, We love because God first loved us. Just please get the order right. That God made a choice to make us his people. And so we respond in faith and we repent. God pursues us. He stays in the cycle with us. He calls us and calls us and refines us and refines us. And we choose to serve or we choose to sin. The same as says, moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. And I will instruct you in the good and right way. I'm going to serve the Lord and hopefully you will too. Only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. For consider the great things he has done for you. But if you still do wickedly, you will be swept away, both you and your king. And this is what happens, isn't it? I mean, they'll get a king, and they'll get a, they want the king to deliver them from their enemies, but their enemies ultimately will come. First the Assyrians, and then the Babylonians, and the Babylonians will sweep them away. And all the covenant curses will come true, because no king can save them from the covenant curses. Except one. Except our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who bore the curse in our place. So it is, it is the Lord who makes us his people. And we respond in faith. So what, what should we do as we think about how the Lord has delivered us, how the Lord has saved us, how the Lord bore our sins and died in our place. What should we do? As we think about the consequences of our sin that we can't undo, I mean, that the, the place where we live, the, what should we do? Knowing that God is who He is. First, I would plead with you to make sure that when you're going through it, that you cry out to the Lord. This is what you see the people doing again and again. You see them crying out to the Lord, and they cry out through Samuel. They go to Samuel, and they cry out. Or they go to the prophets, and they cry out. Or they go to the priests, and they cry out. They cry out again and again. Well, in this passage, they cry out to Samuel. But I just want you to know you've got someone better than Samuel to cry out to you. 
You're crying out to the second person of the Trinity. You're crying out to Jesus himself who bore the curse in your place. Cry out to him. We know that he is a greater high priest who understands our weaknesses, who understands our temptations, who understands what we're going through. He understands and he is able to intercede for us. He is able to help us when we are weak. Run to him. Cry out to him. First, first, because you are God's people, cry out to him. Second, don't be afraid. When God is applying pressure to you, do not be afraid. He is disciplining you. He is applying pressure to you because he loves you. This is what Hebrews 12 says, that God does this because he loves us, that he is disciplining us as sons. What father has a son and doesn't discipline him? What father has a son and doesn't train him? This is what God does for us because he loves us. The hard things in your life, God is redeeming for good. This is is why God brought pressure into their lives so that they would cry out to him, so that they would run to him, so that they would know they couldn't do life in their own strength. So they would turn from their sins, so that they would see the idols are empty. I mean, I don't know why you might be experiencing pressure in your life, but I do know what God wants to do with it. I do know he wants to use it to conform you to the likeness of Christ. I do know that. So whatever circumstances you find yourself in, God is redeeming those for good and is using them to conform you the likeness of Christ. Third, wouldn't it be cool to learn from history? I, I read a quote that if we've learned anything from learning history, it's that we don't learn from history. Wouldn't it be cool that instead of going back and serving empty idols? Wouldn't it be cool that if we learned from our sin and we learned from the pain of others, wouldn't it be cool if if we said, you know, the Lord has been faithful. The Lord has my best interest in mind. The Lord loves me. I will serve the Lord. I will give myself fully to the Lord because of how the Lord has walked me through Hard thing after hard thing after hard thing. How the Lord has been there. I will serve the Lord. I don't know where you find yourself. I don't know what you've been through. What you're going through. What you will go through choices you've made, the choices other people have made for you. But I know that our Lord can take rubble and rebuild. I know that our Lord can take ashes and bring about beauty. 
I know that our Lord can take the death of his son and bring about the salvation of his people. I know that our Lord can take the hard things you've done and use them for your good. Use them to make you more and more like Jesus. Serve him because he is that good and he is that big. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you that you do not forsake us, that you do not give up on us, that you do not quit on us. Lord, I thank you that you didn't have tryouts to see who could be your kids, but you simply love us. So, Lord, help us simply love you in return. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.